Look, I got a testimony. I got to tell him what God did. I'm calling God the homie. He took me out of the mosh pit. I will contest the phonies. Separate demons and God's kids. I got to spread his word, so I'm going to show you who the God is. The word is my weapon. I move like a general. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Walk With Me. I'm your host, JJ. I'm so glad to have you walking with me today as we walk with Christ. Thank you for downloading and sharing this episodes, and thank you for all of the uh, visits to my sponsors that I've been seeing and I've been hearing about. Uh, the Also, we have uh, that sponsor with the Templar Chronicles 1, New Players. That book is amazing in the fact that it, it has actually uh, messages that we need in today's world, and it is fiction, so it's not like sound like a documentary or something like that but uh thank you so much for visiting those sponsors thank you for visiting true bars he's a lyricist he is in his uh, he's on his journey now to finding god or actually his path to salvation because i always say that god is a loss I, and, and i'm starting to kind of develop a, a kind of a way against saying i found god because god wasn't lost we are so thank you all for um visiting that sponsor and exquisite creations if you have tiktok or social media um i think she does have tiktok i don't have tiktok but i have my own reasons for that we're not going to go into it on this uh thank you so much again for listening downloading sharing it's it's not about me it's about you and it's about god and i just sit here behind the microphone for a couple moments every week and we talk about this thing we call the bible and how to apply it to every day in life and what we find out rather quickly is that Moses spent several years. He spent almost 40 years out in Midian. And while out in Midian, he was a shepherd for his father-in-law. That's because Moses went out there and got married. And he was out there for a long time. And, and while he's out there for the 40 years, you'll see that 40 come back. While he's out there for the 40 years, Moses went underwent a sort of another transformation. He learned a lot about talking to God. He learned a lot about being with God. Because when you're a shepherd out there, you undergo a lot of um, a lot of silence and a lot of talking to God. And God is just out there with you. And, and this is where Moses ended up. And he went from being the most one of the most prominent people in Egypt to being a shepherd, which is one of the considered one of the lowliest entry-level positions that you could have back then. You know, guiding sheep and, and cheering them. And it's it's really sort of, quote-unquote, grunt work. And this is where Moses was at. And this is where Moses spent 40 years doing that. And right about this time, after 40 years, God made a decision that Moses was ready for what he needed Moses to do. So he told Moses... Um, became Moses a sign. And so while Moses was out there tending sheep, minding his business, he saw a bush that was on fire. And back then, if you saw something was on fire, you went and took a look. And you just kind of stared at it, I suppose. But when Moses got walked up to the bush, he noticed the bush wasn't burning. It became curious. Yes, I said the, bu the burning bush wasn't burning because the, the it was burning continuously. It wasn't being burnt up it wasn't being consumed and that was a very curious thing for Moses to look at and so Moses said okay what's going on here um so God was there and the first thing God said hey Moses um 
you're on holy ground right here. This burning bush right here, this is holy ground because this is where I'm standing. So I'm going to need you to take your shoes off. And so Moses took his shoes off. And then now we're going to read Exodus 3, chapter 3, 1 through 10. I know it's a lot of reading, but it's very important. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. Now he, he was out there doing the very lowliest job in the backside of the most loneliest place. And the angel of the Lord, oh, I'm sorry, and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and said, behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. This was holy fire. It didn't consume the bush. Just like the Holy Ghost fire doesn't consume you. It changes you, it cleanses you, but it does not consume you. Just clip that on your mind. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great thing. But why is this bush not burnt? And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the middle of the bush, or midst of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. So let's pause right there. Did you notice Moses didn't say, here I am? Because I am is God. Back then, every Hebrew knew you didn't say, I am. You said, here am I. And I, I just something that I noticed in the Bible. I, I, there may be some great Bible scholars that can explain this better than I, but this is just what I noticed. Um, he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I came down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, wait, stop right there. Did you see how many people, how many nations that God said he was going to displace for one nation was already in slavery, powerless, and but was God's people. Did you see how many places that was going to receive the promise of restoration? How many places that were going to contribute to the restoration of the children of Israel, to the nation of Israel that God had promised a long time ago? Now, therefore, the, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, and thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, let me, uh, let me stop right there. It is imperative that we understand that God hears and sees real oppression. I mean, real oppression. I mean, th this is not, this is not fake, um, you know, fake Tycho oppression. Explain, let's explain how this works. If you and I, if I was an Egyptian and you, my audience, each one of you, were were required to do a thing, I required you um, to move 600 pounds of dirt every day. And what I, the first thing I did was, you say, well, you know, how am I supposed to move the dirt? And then I gave you a wheelbarrow and a shovel and an extra person. But you got to move 600 pounds of dirt a day for for me to be happy with your work. And then, because you found a way to do it that was so great, I decided, just just for the whim, just for the whim of it, I decided then to say, okay, I'm going to take away that helper that you had, but you still got to 
give me that 600 pounds. And then you found a way to do it. Then you found a way to be efficient with it because God is blessing you and God is teaching you and showing you things. And you found a way to do it and do it right. So then I says, hmm, I'm going to now take away your shovel, but I still want my 600 pounds. The only thing you, this is this is what oppression really does. This is what the Egyptians were doing to the Israelites. And on top of that, the beatings were going on and all these things were going on. And there was no there was nobody that was going to speak up for the, for the Israelites. Nobody. Moses was out getting his own training. This is 40 years. Moses has been gone 40 years. And then I I said, OK, all right, you found a way to make your 600 tons. Now I'm going to take away the wheel off your wheelbarrow. But I still want my 600 pounds. I'm still I just become more and more cruel to you. And like it's a game to see just how cruel I can be to you and then punish you after I've, you know, uh, hypothetically shot you in the foot and then punish you for not doing the job that you're supposed to, what I told you to do. And this is what was going on day in and day out for now, 400 years. And now it was time because some people were complaining when it was just the work. Some people were complaining because uh, they didn't, they weren't being treated fairly. But now we're going into a very sadistic type of oppression. And that's what, that's where the Israelites were. So now God said, okay, because you have persevered through all of this oppression and maintained your um, individuality for the most part, and you've, you've maintained your worship of God for the most and you'll see this later, and you've maintained your worship of God, now it's time for you to come out of evil. Now it's time for you to come out of sin. Now it's time for you to come out of slavery. This deliverance didn't just happen overnight. And this brings us to our next point, because as modern day Christians, as modern day believers, as modern day people who live for God, we expect for us to pray and by the time I get up from praying my hour, I expect this deliverance to occur. I'm sorry, what? It doesn't exactly work that way. Some deliverances, as as much as we don't like to hear and don't like to experience it, some deliverances take a long time because there are some things that we don't even know what we're trying to be delivered to. We're not even ready for the deliverance. We're not we think we are oh god we think we are but god knows us better than we know ourselves and now israel is to the to about the best point where the deliverance can occur and you'll see why so um verse 10 and that's three verse i'm sorry chapter 3 of exodus and verse 10 come now therefore and i will send you into pharaoh and thou may bring forth my people the children of israel out of egypt now one thing for moses is that Moses right away doubted he could do the job. And at some point, I, I guess, I don't know. I, I'm not going to speak for a lot of people. I'm going to just kind of bear my, I guess, bear open a little bit to you guys, my listeners. I think that's something we all go through. You know, for a long time, God gave me this calling. And I doubted for a long time that God had given me the calling. Then I doubted I could do the job. But I, I think now... Um, that I could probably try to start doing. But Moses was still doubting this. And God literally came to him and spoke to him in a bush. So, um, but God showed Moses that he would be with Moses. 
and God showed Moses, had to show Moses some miracles to convince him that it was actually God talking. Because Moses couldn't believe out of the things he had done, the murder he had committed, the lap of luxury he grew up in, and where he had trapped, found himself on the backside of the desert, out in the middle of nowhere, doing the lowliest job ever, that God would choose him. So what was the first thing that God did? God told Moses, well, Moses, put your hand inside your coat. And when he did, his hand became white with leprosy. And God said, okay, you see that? Now, generally, if you have leprosy, it's it's not just white. It's like your whole skin is falling. It's a very, very devastating, devastating disease. Your your, your skin and body is basically... Um, but that's what God told Moses to do. Put your hand in your jacket. And then he took it out and it had leprosy. And Moses was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. But God said, no, no, no. Put your hand back in your coat. And Moses, okay, because, well, why not do it again? He put it back in his coat and brought it out. Using faith, using faith, because Moses could have ran out of faith right there. Like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And ran off, ran off a cliff somewhere. Because when you were, when you had leprosy, when you were a leper, you were supposed to separate yourself. And basically you kind of separated yourself either until you stopped having leprosy or until you died. So Moses had faith now to put his hand back into his coat because God told him to. And then we pulled his hand back out. He didn't have leprosy anymore. His hand was well again. So well, the first thing Moses did, and he said, okay, well, God, you know, that miracle's all well and good. But, you know, I don't think the people are going to believe me. I don't, you know, who am I? I'm just going to show up after 40 years, after nobody knows who I am. And I'm just going to say, hey, people, let's get out of here. And they're just all supposed to follow me. And God said, what is that in your hand? God will generally tend to um, shake off or dust off your unbelief. Depends on where your unbelief is. He'll tend to just kind of brush it off. And you'll see this, this brush off when, when Jesus is talking a lot, too. When people say something to him and it'll be a, sometimes it'll be a really serious question, but God will brush it off and answer the question by saying something completely different. So in this case, God said, what's in your hand? And Moses said, well, it's God because I'm a shepherd. And God said, OK, well, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and became a serpent. And Moses ran. <laughs> Moses it's not like it was in the movie. Where like you see, you know, Charles and Heston throw a thing on the ground and it was a snake and Moses stood there looking all strong and majestic and his arms are outstretched like, oh, yeah, Moses. No, 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 no. First of all, Moses had a bad stutter. And when he, when that rod hit the ground and turned to a serpent, Moses fled. It's in uh, Exodus chapter four, uh, verse three. And he said, cast on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from before it. And then, and the Lord said unto Moses, put forth your hand and take it by the tail. So not only did the word of God stop Moses from fleeing, not only did the word of God cause Moses to forget his fear and could stop fleeing, but also to circle around the back of the serpent and take it by the tail. Now, I, I, I say this because I know people very dear to me. I'm not going to embarrass her as podcast, but she's deathly afraid of, of lizards. And I mean, like, deathly afraid of lizards. And this is not to say you go around and just pick up lizards if you feel like it. But And to some cases, there's good reasons. These things, they come out of nowhere, they skitter across, and they're gone. But that aside, 
Moses was so in tune with God, he trusted God as soon as he spoke. Now, he, Moses still needed some convincing, but when God said do, Moses did. Even though he questioned his ability to do the thing that God told him, he just did it. Now, that too is a measure of faith like we talked about earlier. I mean, this is a serpent. Moses was fleeing from in front of the serpent. He didn't just walk away. He just didn't jump back in, in shock and awe. He fled. And Moses, then God brushed that off too. God doesn't, God does not allow your fear to just simply to destroy what he has planned. So Moses had to go back around and grab the serpent by the tail, by the tail. Now, most of us have never handled a serpent in our life, but I have watched a lot of YouTube videos. And the one thing I have learned by watching a lot of YouTube videos and a lot of documentaries of snake handlers and a lot of things is you don't grab a, a, ser a, snake, a serpent, try to say snake and serpent at the same time. You don't grab one of those things by the tail because those things, those snakes, those serpents, the poisonous ones will turn around and bite you while you are still holding its tail. Even though, and even the boas, if you grab it by the tail, the boas will wrap around you and start constricting because that is their self-defense. But God told Moses, take it by the tail. And Moses put forth his hand, caught it, and took it by the tail. And it became a rod in his hand. Now keep in mind, I want you to clip on your mind now, how when God is saying something very specific to Moses, Moses is doing that specific thing. This is going to come back to sort of haunt us later, but I want you to take that note right there, write it down if you have to. But when God said, do A, B, and C, Moses did A, B, and C. He did not deviate, he did not stray, he did not question because God said it. Even though he said, they won't believe me, Moses wasn't questioning what God said. Moses was questioning his ability. And I almost, I, I wonder maybe sometimes it's, it's, it's healthy to question your ability up to a certain point, but then just go ahead and do what God said. So um, then in verse five, it says that they that may believe the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared unto you. And the Lord furthermore said to him, put thy hand into thy bosom. And then we, we talked about that. And this is where um, Moses' hand became leprous. And then God took it, took the leprosy away. And now we're at verse nine. Come to pass, if they would not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it unto dry land. And the water which I take out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. Now, some people will look at that and say, well, Maybe God didn't know that they would not listen to Moses. I would argue differently. I would argue that God is already acknowledging that some of the people in Israel will not believe it's Moses sent by God. And God is telling Moses this for Moses' benefit, that this thing will happen no matter what they see Moses do with the rod and with the leprosy. And some people will still not believe that it was God sent, sending Moses. And so Moses has a, another trump card to play, right? And so now when you read Exodus 7 through 11, and that's really too much to read on the podcast, but I, if I was going to give homework assignment, I would say read Exodus 7, chapter 7 through 11. So in, in this scenario, Moses returned back to Egypt, went to Pharaoh and told him that God had said, let my people go 
And most and, and Pharaoh at first was like, okay, well, I don't need those slaves anyway. They're not lethal. And he said, wait a minute, bro, who, am, who are you? And this back and forth went on and on between Moses and Pharaoh for some time. In Exodus 5, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Let Israel go. I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Understanding Pharaoh is coming from a place where he is worshipped as a so if if you if you're having such the hubris that you're thinking that you're God, of course you're not gonna recognize God. And this is where this is what led to uh, Pharaoh's downfall. He let that God talk go to his head, and God kept hardening his heart. God allowed his heart to be hardened. And Lord said unto Moses, Go into the Pharaoh, I have hardened, hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show my signs before him. Now we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up today. I love you all. Thank you so much for, for taking your time and spending with us today, walking in the Lord, walking Bible here. Again, my name is JJ. I'm your host for this podcast, Walk With Me. Like it, share it, download it, whatever options you have on the platform that you are listening to us on. I appreciate it. I really do. Tell it to someone else. You may actually be helping them as well. Check on them. Make sure you give them your love. Give them our love because we are a family of walkers here and I really do appreciate it. Thank God for each and every one of you. I love you all. God bless you. Everything I've been doing, give me a reason. I got to spread a little words of a genius. Everybody needs to know who the leader. See, I do it for Jesus. Everything I've been doing, give me a reason.